Welcome to the Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to the Soft Life Baddies. Happy Monday. As you can tell, I am literally so excited about this episode um, that we have today. We have the honor and pleasure of talking to the one and only Tanya Lewis Lee. And this is actually our second conversation. About two years ago, Tanya and I connected through Instagram and we had the opportunity to do an Instagram live together, which is actually on our YouTube channel. And we discussed all things black maternal health, wellness, creativity. And so today I'm so happy to reintroduce her to the podcast. Tanya Lewis Lee is a producer, film director, writer, entrepreneur, and women's health advocate, delivering meaningful content for over 20 years that resonates with marginalized communities and explores the personal impact of social justice issues. Lee's film and TV work spans from the documentaries such as Aftershock, which is currently on Hulu, and family-friendly features like The Watsons Go to Birmingham, which is featured on the Hallmark Channel, as well as the episodic series She's Gotta Have It on Netflix, which she co-produced with her husband, Spike Lee, and Monster, also on Netflix. Lee is an acclaimed author of children's and young adult books, including bestseller Please Baby Please, and founded the premium vitamin supplement brand Movita Organics to foster better health outcomes for women. Let's welcome Mrs. Tanya Lewis-Lee to The Soft Life. Welcome back to the Soft Life podcast with Sadie Baddies. Today, we are welcome and honored to have the amazing Tanya Lewis Lee, who's here with us today. I'm beyond excited to be speaking with you again and just welcome you into the podcast and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking with you again. <laughs> Yes. So for those of you who are, might be new, um, Tanya and I have spoken before a couple of years ago on the topic of wellness and Black maternal health. But since then, um, she has been tremendously busy and active, and we are going to learn more about what she's been working on recently and learn more about her creative process and her work as a director, producer, and author. So Tanya, could you share some of the you know, kind of take us backwards and share some of the most pivotal moments of your upbringing? Well, that's an interesting question. And I think, you know, when I think about that, uh, what comes to mind for me is, first of all, my third grade teacher, Miss Moody, who was an amazing Black woman who I feel saw me and, and, and thought I was, I was smart and valuable and um, you know, she was just a, a role model for me beyond my parents. Um, and I just, uh, I moved in the middle of my third grade year. So I only had her for a half a year, but she had a real impact on me that that's carried along uh, in my life. Um, and, and speaking of that, I did move in the middle of my third grade year. 
I also moved in the middle of my junior year of high school. My father was working for a corporation and we moved a lot. And so moving around mm-hmm. had an impact on me too, you know, uh, feeling a little like an outsider often in places, uh, having to figure out how to fit in in new circumstances, you know, once everyone had all their friends and everything was already going. So uh, I think that, I think those kinds of things had had real impact on me. Yeah, definitely. And can you tell us where you're from originally? So I was born, where you grew I, up. Yeah, well, I was born. I was born in New York. I was born in Yonkers, New York, and then we moved to New mm-hmm. Jersey, uh, and and lived there, like I said, until the middle of my third grade year, and then we moved to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. And I was there for eight years until the middle of my junior year of high school. And then we moved to St. Louis, Missouri, which is where I graduated mm-hmm. from high school. Uh, and then I went off to Sarah Lawrence College and University of Virginia Law School. Awesome. Amazing. Um, so a lot of us are familiar with your background as a director and a producer and author. Um of course, we have your most recent work, Aftershock, the documentary, which we'll get into in a bit. We also have the TV series um, that you co-produced, um, She's Gotta Have It, which we love. <laughs> and last but not least, your children's book, Please, Baby, Please. What started your creative spark that you still you know, are active in today? And what, what motivated you to pursue these creative works? in your career? You know, I think I was always creative. I I was a, I wrote poetry as a young person, you know, when I, Mm -hmm. when I had all of my angst, like that was my way of expressing uh, myself, but, but didn't really think about it as anything that would, that I could do for a living, you know, Um, but I enjoyed writing poetry, short stories. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, when I graduated from college, I was thinking that I I maybe wanted to work in television. Uh, The idea of, you know, writing, directing, producing television was really exciting to me, but I I had no idea how to do it. I didn't know anyone who was in television or film business. I didn't see a path and neither did my parents. (laughs) So they were kind of like, (laughs) you need to go to law school or business school. And, um, you know, I went to law school. Uh, But then uh, when I met Spike and we got married, um, at the time I was practicing law, but in the evenings working on on an entertainment magazine, which, you know, which is creative in and of itself. Um, And we got married and Spike said, you know what, if you want to be creative and do creative things, that's what you should do. And so early in our marriage, I started, I would get up in the morning and I would write and I, 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 kept working on my craft for years before I showed anybody anything that I wrote. Yeah. I I appreciate you sharing that. I think, um, you know, my generation, a lot of times we can be very focused on visibility and the results of what we're doing, but really good work takes time, right? It, it doesn't happen overnight. So um, I love hearing that, you know, you were kind of working on things creatively here and there, but you weren't necessarily ready to share it because it was still in that creative womb that needed it for it to be, you know, something that's worth sharing, I guess, you know, Um, I call it it being in the woodshed. You got to be in the woodshed. I like that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I like that. Um, Well, we also know that you are the founder of Movita Organics, which I love and I Really, really think it's amazing what you've created as a product, um, as a supplement company and a brand. And I would love to know more about, you know, how you came about starting Movita Organics and just tell us a little bit more about the products that you love. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, Movita Organics really came out of my work as an infant mortality awareness raising uh, campaign mm-hmm. spokesperson some years ago, you know, um, and, and we had a campaign. I traveled the country, learned a lot about women's health, but then we created a peer to peer program where we had college kids talk to their peers and young people in the communities that the schools were located in about mm-hmm. making healthy lifestyle choices uh, for the sake of your unborn children that may come in the future. Just getting people mm-hmm. to start thinking about it. Um, and I wanted to create a peer-to-peer way for myself to keep having that conversation because as you and I have talked about, it's hard to, to right. be as healthy as you can be. It takes community. It takes conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also wanted to create a tangible tool for women to be able, something that was tangible that felt like it was a, a little bit of a help. And so Movita Organics really comes out of my desire to continue the conversation with women, because while mm-hmm. I am very proud of our products and they are awesome and premium products, I'm also yes. the first person to tell you it, no one vitamin is going to do it for you, right? So it's part of yeah. a lifestyle. But I right. will say, and I, I appreciate you asking, our products are made in a, from uh, certified organic ingredients. They mm-hmm. are fermented, which means they're made in a way that your body absorbs them like food. And you get the most out of the vitamin. A lot of times we take vitamins and we only get, say, half of what the nutrients right. that are in there. Ours will give you more bang for your buck because of the way that we process them or make them. Um, yeah. And they're whole food. So. I'm extremely proud of them. Um, D3 is one that we recently came out with uh, that I, I love taking, uh, especially in these days of COVID and as the as the days get darker sooner, mm-hmm. you know, we don't all get <laughs> like our right now. D. Exactly. We need our vitamin D. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited about, about Movita. I'm really, really proud of it. Wow. Uh, and I hope people check it out. It's amazing. It's an amazing, I mean, the packaging, I love also how sustainable it is in the glass bottle. And then the refills that come in the paper packs is just, it's really attentive to what we need both inside, but also helping to, you know, have a more sustainable way of being in your lifestyle, which is amazing. Um, So yeah, definitely check out Movita Organics if you have not already. Um, so I want to talk about Aftershock, obviously. I know that, you know, you are a huge advocate, actually probably one of the most recognized advocates of Black maternal health. And I would love to know, you know, how you came about getting into this advocacy work. Was it someone that you met along, you know, your path or your way that really struck a chord with you and made you want to do this type of work? Was it research that you looked into or, you know, you yourself being a mother? um, I would love to know kind of what sparked this advocacy that you're doing today. The truth is, honestly, I feel like I was called to it. You know, mm. I, I feel I like, you know, I, I wrote I wrote Please Baby Please. Uh, and a few years after that, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services reached out and asked me to be a spokesperson for this infant mortality raising uh, campaign I mentioned, A Healthy Baby Begins With You. I didn't mm. know the U.S. had issues with infant mortality. Um, I, you know, certainly knew that as Black women, we tend to index higher in, in 
all sorts of health issues, you know, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly had my own, my, I've had my own journey uh, of trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to be as healthy as I can possibly be. Uh, as someone who was a child who had lots of allergies, often was mm-hmm. sick every winter, at least twice a winter with bronchitis. Um, didn't really, was a little heavy, you know, had was going to the doctor uh, for weigh-ins once a week and learning about how to take care of my body. So I had my mm-hmm. own journey and then found myself immersed in a world of women's health. And I got to tell you, I was really scared at first. I was not a public speaker. I didn't, I didn't do that. Um, but when I, when I learned about the issues that were affecting black women, um, I mm-hmm. felt like I had to get out there and use my voice and deal with my fear, face my fear, stand up at the podium and stumble trip yeah. my way through it until I got better at it. And, um, yeah. you know, I think we all have a role to play in uh, how we as Black women uh, live our lives to the best that we can. I mean, I think we're the ones that yeah. are... We're the ones that are going to save humanity. Uh, and so we have to take care. I, it seems that way. So It, it appears so. Yep. Doesn't it? So um, yes. we got to step up when we're called to do so. And, and that's what I did. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm so happy that you did. And I think a lot of us are, you know, following in your footsteps of creating that path and doing it in a way that looks good on you, right? Like, you know totally. that you could create a documentary, uh, I think one of the first of its kind to really talk about black maternal health. And for those who haven't watched Aftershock, you have to watch it. It's on Hulu. It's amazing. It is heartbreaking just as it is heartwarming in the same exact way. Um, You know, there's moments where you're crying, but you're also smiling and it's, it's such a it's such a beautiful and honest and raw depiction of what so many black families go through and i love that the film focuses not just on you know the couples and the mothers themselves um, although they went through a tremendous amount of challenges it also shows how it affects the communities around them um, and for you know those who haven't watched the film it focuses on two women and and their families, but uh, one woman by the name of Shimoni Gibson um, and Amber Rose Isaac. And unfortunately, both of them are no longer here with us and may they rest in peace. Can you tell us how you first heard about Shimoni and Amber Rose Isaac? Yeah, um, you know, and it is, uh, and I appreciate you saying what you said about the film because we very much did not want the film to just be a doom and gloom right. focus on the trauma, but it is trauma. Uh, but but is. we wanted to be, we wanted to be real, but we wanted to be inspirational um, and empowering as well. And I will say that Shimani and Amber were, are clearly women who were loved. They were clearly women who were loving. And when you see their families, their, their essence comes through. You know, um, and so I'm so grateful to the families for allowing us to follow them uh, in the way that we did. Uh, We met Shimani. Shimani passed away in October 2019, and we met her family in December of 2019 when they Mm -hmm. were having a celebration of Shimani's life. And, you know, her mother is a um, reproductive uh, justice or reproductive rights advocate in her own right, has always been. And her Mm -hmm. mother's name is Shawnee, and Shawnee is a 
she's an amazing woman and, and now a dear friend and family to me at, at this yeah. point. Um, but Shawnee really wanted to have a celebration of Shamani's life and a conversation with community about what was happening with maternal mortality and morbidity uh, in our communities. And so yeah. um, they, she put out an invitation on Instagram that we saw. Uh, we called her and asked if we could come and, and film the Aftershock, which is the name of the event. Um, and right. and she, they allowed us to come film. And that began our process with um, Shawnee and Omari. And then in April of 2020, yeah. Amber Rose Isaac passed away. Uh, and um, we kind of got to, we knew of Amber's story because before Amber died, she had uh, put out a tweet about the treatment that she was receiving. And we had seen that. Right. We, we couldn't believe yes. it. We were like, oh my God, what is going on with her? Right. Um, yeah. Right. And I think in our minds, we were even thinking about like, okay, after she gives birth, maybe we'll try to find her and talk to her. And then she dies. Uh, and a mm. week after she died, uh, her partner, Bruce McIntyre, had a press conference outside of the hospital. Somehow, maybe he had put that mm. also on Instagram. And we got a camera out there to film that. But then Omari, Shamani's partner, reached out to Bruce mm -hmm. to offer him comfort. This is what Amari does now when um, other families yeah. experience loss like this. He reaches out and, and offers comfort and support. Uh, and so they connected. Amari told him about the film and reconnected with Bruce, um, who also wanted to have a conversation with the community uh, and, was, yeah. and was gracious enough to allow us to go, you know, go on the ride with him as he does that. Yeah, I think one of my... One of the most impactful themes that I took away from Aftershock was the brotherhood that Omari and Bruce developed. It really, really was beautiful to watch how, you know, from this such such a traumatic and heartbreaking event of loss of both of their respective partners, that they were able to form a bond and not only a bond between themselves, but with other other men and other people who have also lost their partners and their wives and their, you know, the, their life partners from the similar incidences of neglect and medical negligence and um, postpartum complications. And I think it just showed the thread that even though you might be suffering from something that seems so heavy, there is still an opportunity for community to show up. And I, I just, I think the way that it was just depicted was remarkable, truly, because I don't you. think I've seen that. I don't think I've seen that in, in real time. You know, you see it sometimes in fictional movies or, you know, but in real life, seeing how they showed up for each other and they're both, you know, in New York, I think that was amazing. So it is, it is beautiful. And I will tell yeah. you, if you ask them how they're doing now, they, yeah. they each will say they're doing really well because they had the community support. Right. They had, yeah. because community showed up for them that gave them the, the support. I mean, Bruce talks about how Amari saved yeah. his life, you know, yeah. and it really matters that people show up and, and hold each other um, and are there yeah. for each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Beautifully, beautifully done. Um, I would love to know kind of your creative process of how you started mapping out this documentary and how you went about directing it and 
know now it's available to watch how can you kind of walk us through (laughs) (laughs) it is amazing it's so amazing i would love to know like your creative process behind this yeah you know i will say you know we 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 did make this through covid uh and so um you know like i said we started in december of 2019 and then of course we go in lockdown in march and i think there was a moment where we were really worried about how we were going to do this film um, yeah. You know, uh, my co-director and I, Paula, knew that we we wanted it to be a verity-style film, that we wanted to follow the people who are most impacted. We didn't want it to yeah. be just a sit in front of camera. You have have uh, experts sit in front of the camera, uh, although we right. needed some of that to get the information. Yeah. Um, right. And so, you know, with lockdown, we gave we gave Amari and Shawnee and Bruce um, iPhones so they could film some intimate moments, and some of it we did use in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really we really thought about how we were going to go follow the families, and then we found uh, two experts. We found Neil Shaw, who's the doctor yes. who travels down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, yes. and Helena Grant, who is the midwife at Woodhall here in in New York. Yes. Um, and 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 we there were more there there were more story more to some of these stories mm-hmm. that we wanted to tell, but it was it was a lot that we had to wrangle right um, right and so it, I think it became really clear that as we were following these families we were understanding that protests and you know showing up in the streets is the way we the people affect change. The way you impact your politicians, if you don't have a lot of money, is by making a big fuss uh, and getting out there and demanding it, which is what they did. And we wanted to follow that, which is why when you get to the end and we're in Congress and Carolyn Maloney says that the United States was founded on, that the healthcare system is founded on systemic racism, you know, it's like, it's the families that got her to that point where now she can, yes. she can say that, you know? Yes. Um, so it was like, it was about really kind of weaving the story. And again, as I said earlier, mm-hmm. we really wanted people to be left feeling inspired angry, inspired, empowered, Mm -hmm. and ready to, ready for some sort of action. Yeah. I mean, check that box off because (laughs) that's exactly what, um, I mean, I left feeling that way. I watched it with my mom too. And, you know, I think a lot of us like walking away from it, you, you have this urge to do something. You don't just, you know, Oh, that was great. It, it felt like a calling of, okay, what do we do next? Especially because seeing how much impact the community had on the entire, you know, the, the partners, their families, but on legislation too. Now, you know, that you actually do have more power than you think you're not, you know, helpless. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, could you tell us what some of the most challenging aspects of the making this documentary was, as well as some of the most rewarding parts? Uh, well, I think I think initially filming in COVID was a challenge, uh, for sure. But but we worked yeah. through it. We did work through it. Um, I would say that um, figuring out how we we were going to get access to some of the hospitals, you know, and that, and that took time to, to really um, talk to them, to get them to trust us. Uh, it's funny. You would think that getting the family's trust 
would be the hardest, but they, but they were yeah. ready and open. So, so it wasn't really the families. It was more the institutional aspects that became yeah. much more challenging. And then I would say that it was the edit because, because we did film a lot. Um, yeah. And there were other stories that, and other storylines that we would have loved to have followed. But in order to really tell us a, a succinct story that, that you could follow, we had to make tough choices mm-hmm. um, in the edit process. And there were things that we just, like like the, like with the midwives, there, there, there mm-hmm. was a whole section that we had with um, Helena Grant and some of her colleagues um, that was amazing. Uh, but we just we just could not in, involve that in the film, so that was that was tough. Yeah. Um, the rewarding piece, I mean, I, I have to say honestly, it's just the gift of Shawnee, Omari, and Bruce for me personally in my yeah. life, and I and I really mean that. Like I've I've learned I've learned so much from them. First of all, about about grief, um, like you said about the idea that you know, and watching and watching them if they can do what they do, then yeah. I should. I, what can I do? I there's more that I can be doing, yeah. you know. Exactly. Um, so that has just been, I mean, Shawnee and I were texting each other last night and I just, I'm so grateful mm-hmm. that she's in my life and that she's a friend of mine. Yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, she is incredibly resilient, but I saw so much tenderness. I saw so much um, hope in her eyes and her spirit. And same with, you know, Bruce and Omari, I think they are all incredibly resilient individuals however i can only imagine what they have to accept on a day-to-day basis it gives a lot of it gives a it gives a glimpse of what it would be like you know to be in that situation but the way that they've been able to carry on and create something new create art create community and it it gives a lot of hope definitely um it's inspiring and I got to say, I give it up to Shamani and Amber, because I think yes. I think who they are and the way everybody's able to function has a lot to say. It says a lot about who yes. Shamani and Amber were. Absolutely. Absolutely. Their spirits radiated throughout the documentary, for sure. Um, so switching gears a bit, I know that you are a wellness expert. <laughs> I know you love your smoothies. Uh, I'm trying. I try. I don't know. I try. <laughs> You're doing you're you're doing it. Trust me. Um, but as a wellness expert yourself, uh, what are some ways that women and birthing people can prevent some of the challenges that you presented in the documentary when it comes to pregnancies and childbirth? What are some ways that we can proactively help each other, help ourselves, help our bodies? Yeah, I think. This? Yeah, I mean, look, and I and, and I I offer this advice saying and that I understand it's not easy, right? That's the first thing I want to say. Yeah. I, you know, you can say things and it sounds so simple and it's complex. It's not, it's not easy, right? So yeah. but the first thing I would say is shop for your healthcare provider. If your healthcare provider is not giving you the response that you want, if they're not connecting with you on a human level, go look for somebody else like Felicia did in our film. Yeah. You know, it's okay. Even at 35 weeks, if you're like, "Mm, I don't think this is the person for me, go find, go see if you can find somebody else. And I say that to say, by saying, I know it's not easy, but we can shop for our healthcare providers. They do work for us. Um, The 
the other thing I would say is, you know, if you can, whether it's whether it's officially a doula or it's your sister mm-hmm. or it's your partner or it's your mother or whomever, mm-hmm. have to, have an advocate, have somebody with you to help help navigate, help ask the questions, or at least, you know, if you ask the question so that when you get back together, you're out of the office, what did they say? How did they say? So, so that you work it together. I think it's really hard um, when you're interfacing with a healthcare provider and you, yeah. you're the only one there. You, you need some support. It's hard. Um, yeah. And the other thing I will say to that is make sure as a woman that you get the support that you need around you. When a woman is birthing, mm-hmm. uh, especially, like it's really important to have, it should be, it should be what works for her, you know, not for everybody else, yeah. you know. So take control, right. be empowered. This is your time. And yeah. the other thing in particular about birthing people, you know, birthing you know, Helena Grant from our film says, you know, when a woman gives birth, she's not just birthing a baby, she's also birthing a mother. So acknowledge yeah. and recognize it's a rite of passage. You know, yeah. you are going to go through something so that you come out on the other side yeah. as this new person. You know, I think we right. often talk about trying to get back to what we were after we have a baby, but that's not, you're not trying to get back yeah. to anything. You're going forward into something. Yes. So. So be mindful of, of that you are now in a new process, um, you know, but really look out for, we need to look out for ourselves and, and yeah. not, not settle for people who are not looking out for us. Yes. Wow. Thank you. Those are amazing, amazing tips and pieces of advice. I know after watching that, I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to have a birthing plan and a doula. I need all the aftercare, um, you know, when I eventually have kids one day. But yeah, I think it was a wake up call. You just said it. Can I just say, I love what you just said. All the aftercare, postpartum care. You do not yes. need to be trying to snatch it back and hurry, hurry, hurry up. Take your yeah. time. Take your time. It's a year. It's a year yeah. postpartum. Yeah, definitely. I mean, your your body's going through this, like a process that is unmatched to anything. <laughs> so why force it to try to fit into the jeans that you were wearing six months before you got what? pregnant? Exactly. For what? Your body <laughs> brings life. It brought life. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing that's, thing. It really is. And it's, it's, I think that's one, one thing that I took away is like watching all the, the different types of birth um, stories that were shared in the film. You know, you have a mom who's was going to do a hospital birth and then actually decided, no, I'm going to go to a birthing center, you know, um, versus someone who may not have the option of going to a birthing center, whatever it looks like for you, just no, like, the autonomy of that choice is there what matters is. the most. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever works yeah. for you. Nobody can tell you what's right for you. Only you know that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so what kind of impact did you, or do you hope to see in our communities, in our society and in our legislation with the release of Aftershock? Well, first, I hope we do have, you know, I hope Aftershock contributes to a cultural shift in the way that we think about birthing, um, just as you mm-hmm. and I were talking. I mean, you know, I think still to this day, midwives are, have been, are, are still somewhat 
some people still aren't quite sure what midwives are and what they're doing. Right. So I think when someone, you know, so I think we should be open to that, right? Because it's just yeah. statistics show that midwifery care has provides for better outcomes, right? right. So um, I think that in general as a society, you know, I think we often focus on the the pain, you know, someone says they're pregnant. The first thing is like, Oh, congratulations. The next thing out of their yeah. mouth is like, Oh, that's going to hurt. Like we need to stop, <laughs> yeah. stop focusing yeah. on that. Like, like right. the pain, maybe if we didn't focus on the pain so much, it wouldn't be so painful. And often yeah. women are induced and they have medication that causes our pain to be worse versus getting her the support she needs to have the, have the right birth. So I, I hope we have a cultural shift in the way that we think about what an empowering experience birthing can be. And just yeah. what we were saying, that people come away from the film thinking about options. I can choose right. to birth in a hospital or right. a birthing center or even at home. I may yeah. I may want to be in a hospital with a midwife. That's my choice. And if I can find yeah. that, good for me. If I want to be in a birthing center, then I should have the choice to be able to do that, you know? Right. Um, and then you mentioned legislation. I think it's I think it's really important that we have legislation so that all people have the the, the option to have access to doula care, that midwives mm-hmm. are reimbursed for uh, their services by insurance companies that, you know, um, that we're not still fighting issues of the autonomy of a woman's body, like what we're doing yeah. uh, now that now that Roe has been overturned. I mean, that right. to me is just, just a disgrace, disgrace. Really disgraceful. Yeah. It's, 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 it's insane. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's a it's a long road of, you know, in this country, you know, we still want to control women's bodies. But I think that, you know, we just have to keep working hard and, um, you know, maybe eventually we'll we'll get there. Yeah, it's it's a process. I think that's, you know, that's. It's a hard truth to have to accept that it, it is a process and it sometimes can make you really discouraged and make you apathetic almost of not wanting to try, not wanting to, you know, go out and vote or not wanting to do anything, but realizing that we have to take care of each other because we have no other choice. I think that's something that I, you know, took away from it. Not, not just because, you know, we live in New York, New York is, liberal, which is great. But, you know, for a a person or a woman who is in Georgia or in Texas or Louisiana, they don't have as many options as, you know, like I would have or um, anybody on on the Northeast would have. So recognizing that privilege in our autonomy is so important. And I definitely took that away from from watching the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Realizing my privilege. It is. I mean, and it, and it's crazy to think about what you're right. It is a privilege where we are here yeah. in New York. I think about our sisters in Georgia and Texas yeah. and, you know, places like that. It's tough. Um, but we got to we got to keep fighting. I mean, look, yes, we got to keep fighting. We cannot give up. Our ancestors yeah. went through a whole lot yeah. for us to be here. And now it's our yeah. time to carry the torch. Yeah. And I mean, if this if this documentary didn't put a fire under anyone, I don't know what will, because it definitely put a fire under me to show up and do something about it. Um, 
Well, you do that but, anyway, but you do oh, that anyway, but I appreciate you. that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Um, well, one question I always like to ask is, you know, in retrospect, what is something that you would tell the five-year-old version of you, the 18-year-old version of you, and then the version of you that is 20 years older mm. today? Okay. Um, I guess I would, I would tell, um, my five-year-old self, uh, don't, don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't be so scared. You know, I, um, you know, uh, the boogeyman isn't a boogeyman necessarily. You can, you can slay him, you know, be strong, (laughs) hang in there, you know, um, my 18 year old self, I, I would say, I would say, stay focused on your mission. You know, I think that there are a lot of things that, um, you know, and, and yes, we have to fight for, we have to fight discrimination where we see it and we have to fight injustice when we, where we see it. Uh, but I think sometimes certainly in my education and my, my frustration seeing injustice, you know, you get distracted and you're going to fight the injustice, but you've got to stay on track yeah. with what you're, what you're doing uh, and, yeah. and don't allow yourself to get pulled into things because later you can come back and fix them. I don't know. I, you know, um, but stay focused a little yeah. bit, a little more no. focused. Taking self-care into consideration while you're yeah. still fighting the injustice. Yeah. Yeah. And then my, my, my future 20, 20 years from now, wow, I would just say, um, you know, keep taking, care, keep taking care of your mind, body, and spirit so that, you know, mm-hmm. you, can, you get 20 more years. You know, I, I do think yeah. about my life like that. You know, um, I, I hopefully 20 years from now, uh, I'm, working in a, I'm still working in a way that feels really good to me. Uh, and because my plan is to keep working creatively in some aspects until the day that I die. So, yes. um, but the only way I'm able to do that is if I take care of myself, my body and spirit. That is true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I, I hope, I hope the same, um, you know, that you carry on this work. It is impactful. It's so needed. Um, so I really appreciate you being present, but still looking ahead to what your career could look like 20 years from now, who knows, but just the fact that, you know, you want to do something impactful creatively is beautiful. Um, and last question, what does softness mean to you as a black woman? Softness to me as a black woman, you know, it's funny. I, I think what it means to me is I really, what it evokes for me is a warm hug from my grandmother. I think, you know, I think of, yeah. that's what I think of. I think of, of my, of my grandmother, my aunties, you know, just that warm embrace, you know, all that flesh, the fleshy arms, the big bosom. Come on in here, baby. Come on in here, baby. You know, um, and that, and, and I smell, I smell when I say that I, I smell um, pound cake and, you know, it just, it feels warm yeah, to me yeah. yes yes the familiarity of it yeah softness yes. is warmth you know I don't mm. think of it as a negative I think of it as a as a warm positive yes thank you thank you so much um we really 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 appreciate you we appreciate your work um again if you have not seen Aftershock 
It is available on Hulu. It is an amazing documentary. So definitely be sure to check it out. But thank you so much, Tanya. Appreciate your time. Thank you. you Always good to talk with you. I I, I always love the conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. To stay connected, join Saudi Baddies on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and more, and sign up for our monthly newsletter on SaudiBaddies.com to stay in the loop. We can't grow this podcast without you, so if you love this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and share this with someone you love. Sending you hella love and stay soft, baddie.